0: All right, some weeks back, uh, we spoke with uh, author Willie Weir, a Sacramento native, now lives up in Washington State, about his uh, excellent book, Travels with Willie, Adventure Cyclist. And we wanted to have him back, and today's the day. So uh, I'd like to say welcome back to Radio Parallax, Willie Weir.
1: Always my pleasure.
0: We urge people to go out to, in general and travel, but uh, I thought maybe this time we ought to talk about some of the specifics of, and the nuts and bolts of, of what you've experienced. We can start anywhere.
1: Well, maybe they all uh, took us up on, on the advice, and, and you no longer have any <laughs> listeners. They're that's, all that's, out traveling the world by bicycle. I that hope that's moment. true. And maybe listening to a podcast or
0: something. In Nicaragua. <laughs> they probably need a little bit more convincing, so why don't we entice okay. them with some tales, and your book is full of them about, uh, about so many places you've been. I was captivated with your descriptions of eastern Turkey. I was sort of in the central part of Turkey, but you're describing Lake Van, Mount Ararat, things like that. It sounded like that was a real adventure.
1: It really was, and one of the reasons that it was a real adventure is that when uh, my wife Kat and I arrived in Istanbul was pretty much the same, uh, at the exact same time that our troops went into Baghdad. So it was uh, a really um, interesting time to be there. Uh, The U.S. had uh, requested uh, the airspace of Turkey to be able to take, um, uh, as far as a flyover zone, and uh, the Turkish government had voted against that. Uh, And uh, our... our, uh, government uh, had uh, made some statements that made a lot of Turks uh, not very happy at all. But w- what was incredible is, and, and we didn't travel around Turkey as Canadians, we didn't have the Canadian flag thing <laughs> going, you know, no patches. Uh, I've always, you know, admitted that I was from the United States of America uh, wherever I've traveled. And what's it, what's I find is fabulous is that um, people will basically judge you by you, the traveler. And, and part of that reason is that that most people around the world don't have much of a say in their own government so they are very they're not very likely to judge you by yours whether they like it or don't like it uh and so a lot of times i find people are very afraid oh you know things are going on and, and americans aren't very popular so i shouldn't travel now uh, and and that's um, and that's not the case i mean if you go over to france and you wear your you know i love freedom fries t-shirt <laughs> then well you've <laughs> you, you've, uh, you've made your own bed, and you have to deal with that. Uh-huh. But overall, as a traveler, uh, I, I find that uh, people are very, very
0: open. I want to second that, uh, that uh, people recognize you're not the government, and ne- neither are they their government, and I think people really were able to get past that quite easily.
1: Well, and, and I think that uh, we do so much better uh, everywhere. If, if all, everybody who was in elected office had to travel, had to get out there and, and, and meet people around the world and, sure. and see different ideas and, and actually sit down and eat, drink coffee, drink tea with people around the world. It, it changes your perspective. It changes, uh, you know, how you see your own country when you return. Uh, but I think it just it makes us uh, more open, more wise, uh, and uh, more tolerant.
0: Well, I'm coming through your book as, we, as we're speaking right now, and you had a chapter on Laos that kind of captivated me. I've never been to Laos, but I, I, I really am seriously thinking about getting a bicycle and following your footsteps. It sounds like it's a very interesting place.
1: It really is. Now, what you'll find by bicycle, and what's interesting, here you have Thailand, uh, uh, the northern Thailand, northern Laos, uh, Just you have uh, the mighty Mekong River uh, that, that, uh, that separates the two countries. Two very incredibly different countries, and also very different even as far as a cyclist is concerned. I have never dealt with steeper roads on the planet Earth than I have in northern Thailand. They just seem to uh, look up to the top of a mountain and, and just take the, 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 the closest <laughs> path uh, and, and pave it over. Where in Laos, uh, the French designed a lot of their highways, and they do a lot more switchbacks. So actually, although you're going over the same terrain, Laos is, is easier to pedal uh, but you 'll also find that it 's a lot harder to find food along the way. I mean in Thailand, it was very easy for us to always have meals on the side of the road. there were even places to stay up in northern Laos uh, just uh, finding something to eat sometimes we 'd actually have to pull into a, a small village and find you know someone 's house and actually pay them to make us a meal because there wasn 't a restaurant or even a, a roadside store uh, sometimes we'd uh you know uh, here I guess they have Red Bull, the energy drink. They have uh, many different kinds of those uh, drinks. There's one called White Shark, and there's one called MD-30 or something like that. And, and uh, uh, that was uh, a little bit of uh, at least a sugar a- a- along the way. But uh, there were times when we just uh, had a difficult time uh, just getting food. But the, uh, the people that we met uh, a- along the way were, were just absolutely incredible um, sad to say that in a lot of the roads that we traveled in northern thailand i noticed that i'd never heard any birds and and folks uh, still hunt and and uh, and eat uh birds as a, as a protein source and so found a lot of of the bird life absent until we got to areas that were protected i was very strange though to be in a, in a forest and not hear, hear bird song wow and you know what go now because There is a road that I'm sure is finished now that's headed, a paved road heading up to China, and that is where the teak forests of Laos are going to head when they're cut down. And Laos is a very poor country, and and, uh, they need revenue, and and sad to say uh, forests are a huge source of revenue. And I watched just some of the stumps of teak trees that were going by in these very large trucks that literally the road was groaning under their weight. The only time I'd seen trees that size were in the old pictures uh, back in the U.S. in the 1800s when they were cutting down our forest here in the Northwest. You know, you see people standing on these stumps that you could fit 10 people on. Uh, Those are the size of some of the trees that are being cut down now and and heading out. So uh, go as soon as you can.
0: I'm sorry to hear that, but uh, it is a point to keep keep in mind that some places you may want to get to quicker than others. Uh, what are some other places people may want to get to sooner rather than later?
1: sad to say it, it appears to be, you know, to be everywhere. But I traveled in, in Central America, all the countries of Central America, 19, in the 90s. And, and, and sometimes you wonder well, whether, you know, you want to go back and see, you know, see what's happened. I, yeah, the, the kind of consuming culture that we have on this planet, uh, it, it's tough to go back to places because it's rare that you see them it, being more pristine. Uh, rather than less, uh, a, a place, you know, when I think of of uh, uh, places that just literally make me hold my breath in awe, uh, you know, South Africa is just one of the most beautiful places I've ever been. And yes, one of the most diverse, uh, and uh, a place that you can uh, can see bicycle whether you just take a, a little portion of it, head down by Cape Town, uh, head over, uh, you know, more towards the east where you're going to have a chance to see uh, some of the wildlife. Uh, uh, Reserves, um, and uh, just realize that there uh, on a bicycle is not the best thing to do. Um, you're going to want to get in a vehicle to go through the reserves. It's very uh, difficult to uh, uh, get through on a bicycle.
0: Should note too, should have plug in for uh, put a plug in for South Africa. You you had a great experience over there. People warned you, as they do everywhere, that oh, you better not go there. It's going to be really dangerous. And yet you found that you got along you got along fine.
1: Yeah, well, you know, fear. Um, what 's hard is fear you can 't touch it it 's just there and and we get bombarded with it on the news every day in in south africa and i w- I was there the the year after Nelson Mandela had been elected president and it was a, a very magical time uh, you know to be there, but the country was in such a transition and uh just recently the the you know the Clint Eastwood directed movie came out, uh, Invictus, uh, and about the, the rugby match, and, and it was incredible to be on a bicycle in that country and to work my way through South Africa as the South African national rugby team was in this tournament in their home country, and a team that was all white prior in, in, in apartheid, and to have Nelson Mandela rather reject that, to actually embrace that team, and he really did unify that country, and in the, the week's that uh, I, I watched that unfold as I came into these small towns. Um, I, I watched the first uh, match, I believe it was against Australia, uh, in a little town called Matatiel at the base of the Drakensberg Mountains. And I saw the last match in the rugby club of a little, little town called Shishui. And as these folks just cheered, and it didn't matter whether you were white or colored or black in South Africa, everybody was cheering for that team. And without Nelson Mandela as a president, uh, I, I, I believe that the country probably would have just been split into civil war.
0: Well, that was a fear for so long, and it's such a great, uh, great tribute to his unifying force that it, that it did never happen. And Willie, we should point out, people don't have to go to the Drakensberg Mountains, beautiful as they may be. They can experience plenty of adventures by getting on a bike right here in their own backyard.
1: That is so true. I, you know, I call it bringing adventure home. And the whole idea of either, you know, and, and you can not necessarily have to be on a bicycle, but walking as well. But getting out of a car, out of a bus, getting out into your community, uh, the bicycle just happens to be my favorite way of doing it. But it's amazing how often you can live someplace. And I've lived... In, in Seattle for now over 24 years. But you get on a bicycle and you go explore a part of the city that you've never been on a bicycle, and you'll find that the way you see a bicycle at that you know, 8 to 10 miles an hour, the fact that you're smelling things, hearing things, you'll notice uh, when you're in a car you tend to travel the arterials. On a bicycle, you're off on the, side, uh, on the side roads. You end up noticing little pocket parks. You end up noticing mm-hmm. little bits, even in your own neighborhood. I've had neighbors who've gotten on a bicycle here, uh, here on Beacon Hill in Seattle for the first time in many years, and they're astounded at what opens up to them, even just in their own neighborhood. Uh, it, it truly is a, a very inexpensive way to travel and travel at home. We're so used to being, as you mentioned prior, and in, into that cocoon. That cocoon that you know, you get in the car, you turn on the radio, you tune everything else out. Uh, some people, as as of course, as they're texting along the as they go. Uh, <laughs> and actually, to get out and break out of that cocoon, um, and and maybe take them the, the uh, metaphor a little further, and and be a butterfly, be a butterfly on a bicycle in your in your
0: <laughs> in your town. As we go out over KDVS, KZFR, uh, people realize that. Sacramento, the bike trail is a, is a, a tremendous resource. Davis, of course, bike town USA. Uh, many of our uh, locations in the foothills and Tahoe. Uh, there's even a, a new mountain bike trail around Tahoe, which I've not tried yet. I have you? Have you? By the way,
1: you know I haven't. Okay. I haven't. I, I I don't get down to Sacramento very often, but. Just in my last visit down there, I was really amazed. And, you know, talk about going to back to places and having that not get better. But I think Midtown Sacramento <laughs> has really gotten a lot better. And I'm noticing that there is a bike culture that has always seemed to have been in Davis, but that is cropping up in Midtown and, and realizing that it's not just about bikes. It's about having places and restaurants and, and, and places close enough so that people can walk and bike. And once you do that and, and, and when you see it, you go around and you see everybody in Lycra uh, heading off at, at uh, 22 miles an hour, you have cyclists. <laughs> but when you start to see those people on single speeds uh, and three speeds and heading to the store, that's when you have people on bikes. And I, and, and I think that's really when a town, a city, turns the corner and becomes more livable. Because that means if a six-year-old, if a 66-year-old, if a 96-year-old feels okay about getting on a bicycle and going to the store or the library, that is when your town's livable.
0: You used to have a poster, I think I do, still have it somewhere, that, uh, that said, uh, happiness is found along the way, not at the end of the road. And I guess bikes certainly you bring that home.
1: <laughs> they, they do. And sometimes a sore butt, but hey, that's the way it goes.
0: <laughs> We've been speaking with Willie Weir. His book, Travels with Willie, Adventure Cyclist, is something I would recommend to everyone. And Willie will be back again. And, and Willie, thanks for speaking with us, and I look forward to having you back sometime soon.
1: Thank you very much.
0: We're out of time, so we want to extend a special uh, thanks to Jefferson Morley and the Washington Post. We hope he'll be back. Also, the always entertaining Willie Weir. And it goes without saying, Will Durst. This program was produced by Edward McMillan. You've been listening to Radio Parallax. I'm Douglas Everett. We'll see you next week at the same time.